and I had a little family newspaper that I pretended to write and, and went to interview my mom and said, why are you a lawyer? And she said, I'm not a lawyer. I'm a constitutional lawyer. The difference is regular lawyers follow the laws where the constitutional lawyers make the laws. Wow. Um, so that always kind of stuck wow. with me that I have a responsibility to, to do more, uh, to help, to use your gifts, to, to help um, humanity in whatever way that you can. Hey mamas, welcome to the Being Mother Hustler podcast. I'm your host, Mother Hustler, Kareen Mills. I'm a mama of two boys, founder of a tribe called Mother Hustler Nation, co-founder of the Game Changers Global Network, an insurance professional turned lifestyle entrepreneur, keynote speaker, and author. Each and every week, I'm bringing you stories and thoughts from mom entrepreneurs who will inspire you to take massive, imperfect action, unapologetically chase your dreams, and eradicate your excuses so you can quit treating your business like a hobby and turn your side hustle into full-time income. I know being mother hustler is not easy. But sisters, we are making it happen, even in this beautiful mess. Thank you so much for being present with me today. Now let's go mother the world. Evan Carmichael believes in entrepreneurs. At 19, he built a biotech software company that he then sold. At 22, he was a venture capitalist helping to raise $500,000 to $15 million. He now runs EvanCarmichael.com, a website for entrepreneurs made popular by how he shows up on his YouTube channel with over 1.7 million subscribers. He breeds and bleeds entrepreneurship. He's obsessed aiming to help 1 billion entrepreneurs and change the world. He has set two world records, uses a stand-up desk, rides a Vespa, races funds for Kiva, wears five-toe shoes, and created entrepreneur trading cards. He speaks globally, but Toronto is his home. Evan is a lover. Amongst the top things that he loves is being married to his wife, Nina. He adores his son. He enjoys salsa dancing, DJing, League of Legends, and the Toronto Blue Jays. Sisters, please help me in welcoming the man of impact for season three finale, paying tribute to his own mother, by sharing some of the impact she made on him by raising him right and how that impact helped him mold the man that he is today, Evan Carmichael. Welcome everyone. We have the wonderful, amazing, spectacular master of YouTube channel, Mr. Evan Carmichael, I'm your host, Kareen Mills. Evan, thank you so much for gracing us with your time today. Thanks for love, Kareen. Good to be here. 
Yes, sir. Love everything that you do. That uh, organ organization of your t top 10 is just like a, like a punch for me every day. And you know, it's, I don't what's know how your, you do it, man. What, what's your favorite one? Steve Jobs is my number one favorite. The, the original <laughs> one, volume one? Uh-huh. All right. Cool. What is Watch it. We're, we're doing a volume three, Steve Jobs. Wow. Oh, yeah, it's going up. Yeah. 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 I like that one. I'll send it to you when it's out. Yeah, it'd be great. I'm starting to see now, um, you need to put some more women in the mix. I'm starting to see Oprah there. Oh, man. We are struggling hard, <laughs> honestly. We're, we're struggling. We're struggling to get enough. Uh, it's something I've been fighting for with my team for the mm. past year and a half. Mm. Uh, every woman we do bombs. Really? Yeah. So, uh, so the ones that the ones are Oprah always does well. Mel Robbins does well. And that's it. I wonder if you can, cause my dream mother hustler guests are, uh, Jessica Alba and, um, you know, she says some cool things too. And I don't know if she would have some top 10 content that you can organize, but I do yeah. also like, um, the so we've, done, we, we've done Jessica Alba. It's already up. Okay. three Spanish years ago. Father. Oh yeah. Um, Sarah yeah, we've done her. Okay. Yeah, um, she, what's her name? It's blanking. I'm blanking. Sarah, Sarah Blakely. Blakely. That's yeah. it. Yeah. We did her. Um, Women of Impact, um, Tom Ballou's wife. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, she we haven't done one. her. Mm -hmm. I'm open. Like, we struggled. We, we did, we, we, we had one yesterday. We had a new one up. Um, who did we profile yesterday? I forget. Uh, like, every, every week, I want to have a new woman up, at least. Um, and also in our mashups. Uh, so like when we did advice from billionaires, we we're super limited because there's not that many women billionaires mm. compared to, yeah. and it's not just women. We're also looking for like diversity, right? Like if you do a billionaire series, it's mostly old white guys. Like, yeah, I know. We need to, like, <laughs> we need, can we, you know, it's okay. It's our time. This is the women time. So we're just starting to rise. You'll, you'll get there. <laughs> I love it. I'm pumped. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for the next person like when mel robbins started doing more videos on her youtube channel i was so pumped was like yes finally like yes. A, a powerful woman thought leader like stepping up and creating lots of content Love um her. part of the problem with someone like jessica albas is not a lot of new content like she doesn't have a youtube channel or she's sharing her thoughts and interviews yes. so yes. you when when she comes out and does interviews around her the honest company there's sometimes pieces you can pull but when somebody's making content like Mel Robbins, it's like so it's such a gift. Like there's so much great stuff out there where yeah. most of the guys going like they're guys. Most of the people going daily, Grant Cardone and Gary V and, and I know David and and like all the they're all guys. Like, I know. Come on, ladies. I saw Gerard Adams. I am waiting. I want Adams. the ladies to step up. Let's go. Let's yes, go. we'll get there. Well, for now, let's talk about you. Okay. Evan Carmichael, because I always love to dive deep into some thought leaders and someone that's successful in their field to understand how you were raised, what your childhood looked like, because it's, okay. it really rarely often comes up in interviews. Okay. What do you so, want to know? We want to know how your childhood was. So my childhood was, was pretty awesome. Um, 
my parents are my greatest mentors. I have a picture of them on my wall, this giant yeah. canvas of the people who are listening on the podcast, uh, where I'm eight or nine years old and my parents uh, are just standing next to me. And that's mm. what I look at every day when I walk into my office. They taught me that I was Evan Castrilli Carmichael. I could do anything that I believe that I can. Mm. And so, you know, belief comes from them. My mother in particular was a, well, is she's still alive, is a very strong woman and um, did a lot of things that, that kind of bucked the trend, I guess, for women. Um, mm. Got into politics and, uh, you know, became uh, a, a, the chair at uh, University of Toronto, which is the most prestigious university in, in our country here in Canada and had them change it from chairman to chair uh, oh. because she was the first non man to be the the chair um so she's a definitely a big inspiration uh, a lot of my drive and hustle and desire to do good comes from uh, from her in particular my dad i got like the humbleness and niceness and he's just the nicest human you're ever going to meet and my mom is the drive and, and ambition i remember being probably about eight or nine and and i had a little family newspaper that i pretended to write and and went to interview my mom and said why are you a lawyer and she said i'm not a lawyer i'm a constitutional lawyer the difference is regular lawyers follow the laws where the constitutional lawyers make the laws wow. uh, so that always kind of stuck wow. with me that i have a responsibility to to do more uh to help to use your gifts to to help um, humanity in whatever way that you can and um, I still kind of, even though I'm, I haven't followed the same path and I've, I have two sisters, I'm in the middle. I don't do the same thing that they do or my parents did, but all of us run a path to try to have our impact made. And I think a big chunk of that is because of the way that my parents raised us. Wow. Did you go to school? I went to school. I went to, uh, I went to private school growing up. I... My my family was middle class, I guess, not just kind of in the middle of middle class, I think. Uh, my parents really uh, prided education. Um, my mom has, you know, maybe multiple PhDs, at least one PhD. And so all the money they, they earned, they poured into our education. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I remember, you know, going to high school and even... Um, in earlier than that, but especially in high school, when, when your friends start getting cars and, you know, you get a Beamer or Mercedes for your birthday at 16. And, you know, we would get picked up in our, in our Chrysler falling apart car. Wow. Um, because of, you know, based on my parents prided education above all else and uh, wanted to make sure that any money that they were making was being poured into our education. Wow. Uh, so I guess we got spoiled on the education side and, and, um, anyway, so I went to school, uh, graduated, went to university of Toronto, which is, uh, it was it just expected that we go to university because education was so important in our family. Both yeah. my sisters went, I went, um, I think I have the least amount of education. <laughs> I, uh, yes, I definitely do. Yes. Of my sisters, <laughs> maybe my family. I wonder if my dad education. Yeah, well, sure. I mean, we, but we're all learning. Uh, yeah. I, I graduated university, undergrad, bachelor of commerce and finance. I didn't drop out. I had my business while I was in university. Mm -hmm. I used university to hack my education. Mm -hmm. So all of my 
all of my coursework was around my business. So, you know, if you're doing a marketing class, make up a business, like, well, I have a business. I'll, I'll use, I'll use my company as all the case studies in, in my courses. Uh, but I left after I graduated undergrad, uh, what did I have? Bachelor of Commerce and Finance, uh, major in economics. Mm. And then I just became an entrepreneur and haven't looked back where my wow. sisters both went on to higher education more than that. Um, yeah. And since then just been being an entrepreneur. Wow. So education is very important in your household. And I yeah. wonder if that comes from cultural background. Uh, I think it, I think it came from my mom coming to Canada. Mm -hmm. She came when she was young. Uh, I want to say like 11 ish. And she came because her sister had polio. And mm -hmm. at the time, the hospital in, in Toronto had the best care for polio. So it was a, it was a simple decision. We're going to leave Italy. We're going to come to Canada so that, so that our daughter can get the polio treatment that she needs. Uh, I, I don't know if my grandparents went to college university or how much they cared. Uh, I don't know where my mom's drive for education came from. She came though and, and wanted to make a name for herself and wanted to uh, not have an accent. Like she, she spent a lot of time working on not having an accent. So she speaks fluent Italian. She speaks fluent English, wow. um, but speaks like a, a native. And she, all of her friends who came over, they all still speak with an Italian accent, but it was important to her to lose it mm -hmm. uh, for whatever reason. I never asked her about that, but. But to lose uh, it, but then go right back into it when she needs to. Uh, lose the accent. She doesn't, right. she doesn't, she, she's very involved in, in her community. So she's, mm. she, she still identifies as a, you know, she's Italian Canadian. Um, she did a lot of work in the Italian community here in Canada and also back home, but she didn't want to have the accent. So when she speaks English, she sounds like she was born here. And when she speaks wow. Italian, it's, she sounds like she was born there, which she was. Um, she did a lot of education, uh, became a teacher. Uh, I don't know where her drive came from, but I know that it was just expected on us to go and get an education. Mm. Uh, I probably fought it the least, to be honest. Like both my sisters were more anti, like, do we need to go to this school? Do we need to go to that university? Um, I'm like, this is great. This is awesome. Wow. <laughs> no problem. And they ended up doing more than I did in university. So that's interesting. Um, so I, I don't know where it comes from, from my mom, why she cared so much, but, but it was definitely her, her values that influenced us to be expected to go to school. Wow. You talk about a business when you have case studies at school and projects and you use your business as a pilot for that project. What business was that? So I had a biotech software company that um, I didn't start, but I joined as an owner in. And the toughest decision of my life was deciding between going to uh, typical corporate jobs that I thought I wanted and making 80 to hundred K starting salary at the banks that I thought I wanted to work at versus doing this startup and making 300 bucks a month. And I had a lot of entrepreneurial tendencies probably my whole life, but entrepreneurship, how old am I? I'm 38 now. Entrepreneurship wasn't a thing as much as it is now and yes. my parents aren't weren't entrepreneurs so i didn't there wasn't in my family who i could model hmm. even though i had a lot of 
entrepreneurial success with baseball cards and entrepreneur clubs and, you know, little ventures here and there. Uh, so I decided to, that was the toughest decision in my life of, of having to be, you know, not have to go and be, uh, take the job that everybody in my circle of friends wanted and instead struggle and, and make 300 bucks a month as an entrepreneur. And I made it harder on myself as well because I was too embarrassed to tell people that I wasn't making any money. I was too ashamed mm-hmm. of it. So I had to pick one thing a month that I can go and do because 20 bucks for pizza and beer was, uh, was a lot, you know, when you're making 300, 20 is a lot. So I had to pick one thing a month. And, and I, I'm sure if I told my friends, Hey guys, uh, you know, I, I don't have any money cause I'm trying to build my company. They would have understood, but instead I was, I would go, yeah, I'm living the entrepreneur lifestyle. I can't come out cause I'm just too busy grinding and hustling. Yeah. Uh, so I made it more difficult. I isolated myself mm. because I was embarrassed really is what mm. it was. Um, but ultimately ended up having success as an entrepreneur and, uh, I don't regret that path, but I could have made it easier for myself if I was a little more open in those days. Yeah. It's, it's not easy to be an entrepreneur. And I, and I so resonate with what you're saying with sometimes they glorify the fake it till you make it slogan. And it, it really is like, why fake it? You know, just be real. And in the internet nowadays, it's like being vulnerable is, is, or like the vulnerable posts are the ones that go viral. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, uh, it really is well received by the public, but yet we have these self, um, self doubts and negative talk about our, our, our own self while we go through these massive challenge in entrepreneurship. What is your advice to someone that is 20, 21, 22 years old um, that is going to college, um, you know, sort of confused because they, they see a lot of content online and they want to be an entrepreneur and it can get confusing with all the so massive thought leaders out there to organize your thought. Yeah, I would say one, understand what your motive is going to college, university. So if you want to get a job, you kind of need to have a degree, especially mm-hmm. if you want to be a lawyer or a doctor or any of the professions. You can't be a lawyer without having a law degree. Like it's just mm-hmm. it's not happening. So if that's your ambition, then great. Go to college, university. If you want to be an entrepreneur, then I see, I see college, university as a good backup plan. Mm-hmm. I think... I don't regret having gone. I don't think it was a giant waste of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. You know, I thought I wanted to have a job. This opportunity came. I wasn't making it, you know, making a killing at the start. I didn't know that this was for me. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't want to regret having not finished my education in case I need to go back and get a job. And so if you're a hundred percent sure that you'll never want to work for anybody else and, and you have to be an entrepreneur and you've already started your business, then maybe it's not, I don't think, a, I, I don't think a university degree uh, carries as much value as it used to. Mm-hmm. Just like being an author of a book doesn't carry as much value as it used to. Uh, and so if you know a hundred percent that it's not your path, awesome. Then, then follow your heart and chase mm-hmm. your path. But if you're not sure, then it's a great backup plan. And then I would use my university education to hack my business. And so oh, wow. an example, uh, I didn't know I could do this until my last year. You could create your own course with a professor. So I approached one of my marketing professors and say, hey, can I make a course with you uh, on pricing? 
And I used the entire semester to figure out how to price my product that I was actually working on trying to sell. And he agreed to mentor me and teach me. There's no exam and there's no, no paper or anything due or given. It's really up to the professor uh, how they're going to mark you and score you. And that was an entire credit. It was awesome. Um, I would, if I, if I went back now and I was going to university, I'd look at how do I hack the alumni network and say, Hey, I'm a student at, whatever university, I know you went there too. I'm trying to build my business. You have 10 minutes for a quick meeting. Like people are really tied to their, to their school and they want to give back yeah. and help. So I would hack that hardcore. Wow. I look at the, I'd look at the media, uh, any radio station or any, any school newspaper or any school social media site to try to help give exposure for my company. Um, I didn't do those things, but like going back, that's what I would do. I did the professor mm-hmm. thing. Um, I, I was able to get market research so we sold to universities, my product, we sold to universities as one of our demographic. So I was able to go and have conversations with potential customers because it was a student research project as opposed to me going in and trying to sell them something. Yeah, yeah. Right, so look at how can I, how can I like wow. if I'm here for four years and I'm, I'm getting this education, it still just might be a backup plan for me. How do I hack the experience so that I'm getting as much as I can and learning uh, and if my ultimate ambition is to be an entrepreneur, then I'm, I'm able to take that experience from university to help me as opposed to saying, well, I'm just throwing away four years of my life. Yeah. It's, it's, it sounds like parallel to networking, you know, that you're networking while you're in school. Yeah. Networking is actually something that, that, um, I don't do much of, but, but you could yeah. right? like definitely networking with your fellow students, networking with the alumni, networking with the professors, absolutely the, the people you know could make a big impact it's not how i've really won because i'm really introverted which maybe not you know come across for your listeners really <laughs> yeah i'm super introverted so i don't network like i don't i don't talk to people i don't um i don't introduce myself i don't talk to the person next to me on the airplane uh i'm very introverted mode i can i can bring it when i need to especially for entrepreneurs because that that's my that's my purpose uh, and so I can get fired up about that. But for the most part, I avoid every networking dinner. I don't go to any VIP events. Wow. I'd much rather have one-on-one conversations and be in, in, a, in a big group dinner. Um, so networking is definitely useful. I didn't do it myself because it doesn't, doesn't hack Evan Carmichael well enough. But for somebody who's 20, figuring out their path now, it's definitely a great option. Wow. So when I was a child, I had so many different dreams. And as I gone through life, um, they have a tendency to change based on the influence that I had growing up. Mm-hmm. So did you have a dream as a child that you changed up because of the influence, the mentor, the schooling, the outside, you know, things that are happening to you, the experiences in life that knocked you, you know, knocked you out. I'm sure you have challenges and all these stuff and all the recipe that makes that decision change. So the earliest memory I have of a dream that I wanted to be professionally was I I wanted to be a baseball player during the season of baseball because I love the Toronto Blue Jays Mm -hmm. and Kelly Gruber was my favorite baseball player third baseman for the Jays. I still have his card here in my office and he wow. signed it. Um, and then I wanted to be a police officer in the off season. So that was my plan. Baseball player for the X number of months that the season was on and then I'd be a cop. Uh, I don't know where that came from. I guess just having <laughs> heroes. Like I saw a police officer, I think boys, 
uh, often get attracted to the uniform, whether that's police or military or, or firemen or, um, mm. and then the Blue Jays were just, I don't know, for whatever reason, we, we love the Blue Jays. So uh, yes. that was, that was my ambition. I, I don't think that ever was really a, a dream, mm-hmm. you know, it was just, just uh, something that I, I didn't really take seriously, but like as a nine-year-old or 10-year-old, it's like, what are you going to do? Well, here's my plan. I think as I started taking it seriously, the banker was where my head was at. Mm. I liked the idea of making money. Um, I liked, I liked the process of making money when I, when I played uh, Monopoly or any other board game, I was always the banker. Wow. I just liked having that role. I was always curious about it. Um, I, I liked the stock market. Uh, I had, you know, lemonade stains and that kind of stuff. I just liked that process, but I didn't know about entrepreneurship as a path. So I thought I wanted to be a banker. So my high school yearbook, high school yearbook, where it says, where are you going to be in 10 years? Mine said VP at a bank. Cause that's what I thought I wanted. Uh, and then I got the potential banking job in university, but decided that I didn't, I, I had to give my shot at entrepreneurship just to see, um, so that was it. Baseball player and cop to banker to then entrepreneur. <laughs> Mine is journalism, lawyer. And then I got a kind of like the same degree as you. We're, we have a very parallel type of career as we went um, upwards in, in our adulthood. And then I became a banker. I was actually a VP in banking and nice. then insurance, own man practice. And then now I'm like, you know, the world is going in a different direction. I need to adapt and use really my skill set in a lot of the things that I'm doing now. It's hard work. (laughs) Very much of a hard work. So how did you end up in the YouTube? I never thought I'd be YouTube famous. It was never the goal to be YouTube famous. And when I, when I got my channel in 2008, Mm. uh, it wasn't really a thing, or at least if it was, it wasn't definitely for business. It was, any, anything that was taken off was like a stupid cat video or, uh, you know, somebody falling down a flight of stairs, uh, just kind of silly stuff. I started making videos for two reasons. One, I'd sold my business. I'd had some success mm-hmm. and people started writing to me and saying, Evan, I have this problem. Can you help me? Something entrepreneur related. And it was super humbling that anybody wanted my feedback or input on their, their business challenge. And I would end up spending 30, 40 minutes responding to people on email to try to help them. And that started to get, you know, you can imagine if you get a, a couple of days, it starts chewing up a big chunk of your time. And so I thought, what if I just made a video and put that on my channel so that I could help that person? It's easier for me to do. It doesn't take as much time to speak compared to write. And maybe other people will benefit from it as well. Like a dozen or a hundred people could benefit. I wasn't thinking millions of people would would benefit that and I was a big believer in modeling success and I love being a visual learner and I wish there was more visual content for me to learn from uh, books were the closest thing I guess uh, but I wish there were video and so I started putting together video sharing the stories of different famous entrepreneurs and what I could learn from them and I hope that that would inspire other entrepreneurs as well so that idea of modeling success was was pretty early um, ingrained on my YouTube channel and it was just try to help entrepreneurs. Like, I think your purpose comes from your pain. I think whatever pain that you've been through in your life, you want to try to make sure that nobody else has to suffer through it. Whenever you felt the most insignificant as a human, you now want to make sure that other people around you don't have to feel that. 
Mm. And I think people are either, I think humans are built to serve. I think if you're not happy in your life, it's because you're not serving enough. And you either want to serve the world, you know, like I do, uh, I want to hit uh, billions of people, or you want to serve the 20 closest people to you. Mm. Um, and there's nothing wrong with either one, just if you're not happy, you're not serving enough. And so I did it to serve. That was it. I, I thought it might help some entrepreneurs. It, it, it wasn't this master plan to have a huge channel with however many 1.6 million subscribers now. It was just, uh, I, want, I want the path for entrepreneurship for other people to not be as hard as mine. Wow. Yeah, I always believe your adversities or your pains and your sufferings were gifts, right? And it's not in a nice box with a bow on it, but it's definitely a tool for you to change something, change one person's life. So I totally, totally agree with you. You're on Instagram. Yeah. And um, do you find YouTube easier than Instagram as your No. Hat? Oh my gosh, okay. no. Instagram okay. is so easy compared to YouTube. Instagram is the easiest thing of all time. If you're coming from YouTube, <laughs> And so I'm coming, I, I'm up, I'm Instagram's my latest little obsessions to my little passion project, but we're going from making two to three videos a day on YouTube to make content for Instagram is so much easier. Mm -hmm. uh, and to grow up, to, to grow a brand or to grow a business or recognition quickly, Instagram is the easiest place to do it. Mm -hmm. It's hard to sustain. Uh, Cause you, you're on the, you're on the, you're on the wheel constantly. Like you get off the wheel, you're irrelevant. Where with YouTube, once you build up some traction, your videos that you posted five years ago are still getting views and momentum for you, where nobody cares about your Instagram post from two days ago, let alone five years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, but Instagram is so much easier. Anybody who goes from, I think it's, it, it's just the next step, jumping from Instagram to YouTube, which a lot of people are trying to do. But if you're going from YouTube to Instagram, it's easy pickings. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's great. So Evan, you have all these icons behind you. Right. I'm sure they end up there for a reason. Um, do they end up there because they're your favorite of all time? And if they are, what are the biggest lesson you learned from every single one of them? Sure. Can everybody see, or this is also a podcast, right? So not everybody can see what's on my yeah, um, it. On the podcast, not everybody can see, but right. I'm going to, if you don't mind, post it on um, YouTube. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'll walk people through who can't necessarily see it. I've got these five giant canvases on my room, uh, on the wall in my office. And I've always been a big fan of, of setting up an environment that allows you to be successful. Mm -hmm. It's great because you do it once and then you walk into that environment every day and it, it shifts your perspective as a reminder for you. Mm -hmm. So I've got, I've got five giant canvases. Uh, the first is a big picture of Steve Jobs that's looking at me. And for all the people that I have on my wall, they teach me usually one thing. Mm -hmm. And so Steve Jobs, the lesson I want to be reminded of daily is uh, to be a visionary, to think big, to have, to have big dreams, to put the dent in the universe. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be a father like Steve Jobs was. And, and I think that's one of the key lessons when you are modeling other people and taking things from them. You don't have to become them. You're just taking a little piece to help you be a better you. Become you. Yeah, just a better, the better version of you. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be the next anybody. And so I take pieces from different people. I can learn from them. I can learn from Steve Jobs, not about how to be a father, but how to be a visionary. Great. That's enough for me. You don't have to love Steve Jobs as a human. Um, and it's why I have on my channel, 
I'll do Donald Trump and I'll do Barack Obama and Michelle Obama. Like you can learn from all sides, I yeah. think, even without having to become that person. So the first is Steve Jobs and, and he's teaching me to be a visionary. Um, the next is a guy named E.P. Janini, who's, a, who's my favorite entrepreneur of all time. He's the founder mm-hmm. of the Bank of America. And mm-hmm. he was all about believe. He believed in people when nobody else did. He, he lent money. He was the first person to lend money to immigrants. Uh, he, he lent money to people based off of the calluses on their hands and a look in their eye. Wow. If you can imagine a banker wow. giving you a loan based off of a look in your eye. Wow. Um, he gave money to Walt Disney to finish his first movie when people said, you're crazy to launch a full wow. length. Like nobody's going to watch a full length cartoon. That's stupid. Don't do that. Um, AP Genini funded him. And wow. nobody knows this guy. And even Bank of America. I don't know him. I called up their PR department to get some stories on him when they're like who's ap janini it's like this guy's your founder you're the pr department he founded your company you don't know who he is it was yeah anyway so uh i wish there were video content on him because we we would definitely make a great top 10 um so cp janini he just taught me to believe in people like the way that so steve jobs is have an impact ap janini is through believe have an impact through believing in people because that's my one word Mm -hmm. uh the next is my parents uh, so it's me and my parents. They're in the middle on, on my wall. You know, again, I'm eight or nine and they're looking over me. And that reminder that I'm Evan Castrilli Carmichael, do anything that I put my mind to. I just want to I just want to remember that. And it's, it's still something that um, I do with my son. We have a Carmichael's can do and he'll say anything just as a reminder of like who we are and what we can do. And anytime I'm if I'm dropping off from school or tucking him to bed or whenever I'm saying goodbye uh, for the night or the day. Uh, it's Carmichael's can do anything. Uh, so my parents are third. After that, I have Howard Schultz. He's the, the guy behind Starbucks. Starbucks uh-huh. And uh, why the CEO of Starbucks seems like a weird person to have on the wall. Uh, there was a video that he made that really had an impact on me where Starbucks was one of the first. We've been using the downstairs one. I think I'm the only person that uses these conference rooms. They're really, really, really nice conference room. So I'm not sure why anybody wouldn't be using it. But hey, I'm getting my money's worth here. We are um, enjoying our stay here. The kids love the pool. We're going to be here for five weeks. By the time we leave, we close like exactly five weeks. And uh, tomorrow, or actually today, Sunday, we begin the first day of the last week. And so we're going to be out of here next Sunday. I'm so excited, but at the same time, I really, really enjoyed not having to clean because we have made service every day if we wanted to, although we chose to do it every week because they'll do more deep um, housekeeping once a week. So we just opted for once a week, every Friday cleaning. And then We have free breakfast for my kids every single morning and the kids love it when my alarm goes off at 6.30 because they just head to the kitchen and the dining area and they eat breakfast there. Sometimes they have bacon and eggs. Sometimes they'll have omelet. Always they'll have their, you know, the usual cereals and milk. And then they'll have, um, my favorite is their, oatmeal bar where they have almonds, cranberry, dried cranberries, brown sugar, uh, 
shredded coconut and then that's just a super healthy I don't eat breakfast because I in intermittent fast from 8 p.m. the night before until 12 noon so I don't really eat until between 12 noon until 8 p.m. but occasionally I crave for the oatmeal so I would go there and like if they have the healthier options like the eggs and the bacon I'll just have that for the weekend but um I'm just really enjoying it because as a mom I get really like we have so many responsibilities to do we have so many hats to wear and not having to make breakfast in the morning not having to clean especially me I mentioned earlier that I am cleaning is not my favorite activities in the house and I although I'm super clean like I promise you, I'm not dirty at all. And the outdoor pool, it's been really nice for the past four weeks that we've stayed here. And this is a tip that I did not even know myself. So here's a tip, you guys, if you were to ever be in a position like my family, that there's a gap between you selling your past home into moving in your new home or you're remodeling and you're hiring and you don't want to live there while you're remodeling that for 31 days so originally we were just going to stay here for four weeks the general manager suggested that we stay if we could for 31 days but now we're going to be here for 35 days because after 31 days, and I'm not sure if it's only Vancouver, Washington, or Washington, or Vancouver city law, but after 31 days, the taxes of, I mean, those taxes for staying in a hotel can really be hefty. They fall off after you stay 31 days in these types of places where it has its own kitchen in it. It has its own amazing, you know, just just a nice space to stay. So we originally had a studio unit. And here's another tip for you. We had a studio unit, which is essentially my kids were literally sleeping on the pullout bed, the couch. And my son, if you've seen him in my story, my Instagram story, he's very tall. And so his feet was hanging. So we were there for two weeks until they upgraded us into a two-bedroom, two-bathroom loft. This loft is amazing. It was such a relief for our family to be able to be in this current loft that we're in. It's two bedrooms, so my husband and I have our privacy. The kids, get this, they have their own bed. There's two beds downstairs, so they have their own bed. But the most amazing part, they upgraded us for free. And so here's a tip for you. When you are in this position, the one thing that you can do is you can start small. I always love starting small. And then let them know of your intention that if there is a larger unit that becomes available, that you would like to be considered for a free upgrade I'm telling you, it always works. I do that on airlines. I do that on everywhere I go, as long as I know there could be a potential upgrade. And so we got upgraded not just to a one-bedroom, but a two-bedroom loft. And it's like so 
much more space. So shout out to Sinesta ES. And I've been like giving shout outs to a lot of people here because this journey has just, it's actually not complicated, but it's definitely tasking. And when you know that it's temporary, it's like, you're just not at ease all the time, you know, although it's so nice perk to not have to cook and there's outdoor pool and all these amenities, but it's not home, right? It feels like home. And pretty soon it starts feeling more home than not. So they upgraded us and we're so happy, but here's the problem. My mother, I love her and bless her heart. She'd always wanted to come once we had the house and check it out. And she's just being really a nosy mama to see where her daughter is going to live, what the house looks like, you know, just being mom. You know, I so get her. But she wanted to come. She can only come on the 28th to the 3rd of July, which is a problem because we're still living in the hotel. And this was a huge problem before because we did not know that we were going to get upgraded. So when my husband found out that my mother was coming, he was like, holy shit, where are we going to put her? We're in a studio, small little hotel room, essentially apartment, and there's no room for her. And guys, I'm telling you, flow, not force is the way that I live life now. And this is exactly what I told my husband. Don't worry. We'll figure it out. And two days later, we got offered this upgrade of a two-bedroom loft. Wow. When you trust in the, in the source, when you trust in the energy and you just say, don't worry, we'll figure it out. The energy literally figures it out for you. I promise you. And if it didn't, we knew we were going to figure it out no matter what. We might send her to my brother. We might send her to Ty's mom. I, I don't know what we would have done, but, but I know we would have figured it out. Or we might have just rented another unit, a studio unit for her. Or I had Ty, I told, I told Ty, you can always sleep in one of the bedrooms because by then it'll it'll be okay to just sleep in it. And that way my mom can just sleep with me in the hotel. And Ty was okay with that. My husband is so super easy and easygoing that he was like, oh yeah, that, that will work too. But that didn't happen because I trusted in the process. And I said, don't worry, Ty, we'll figure this out. And two days later, the GM actually called me on my cell phone and said, we're going to go ahead and upgrade you in the two bedroom loft. And I was like, the gates of heaven opened up. <laughs> but here's the behind the scene on that. So let me tell you, hotels, they probably did not have a lot of people booking the two bedroom, two bath because the two bedroom, two bath here is like $240 a night plus taxes. The studio that we were staying is $99 a night. And I think I only got the 99 though because of my networking skills and I know the GM here. So I got the hookup um, price. But 
The cool thing about it is it would have been like 109, 129 maybe. It was still going to be a lot cheaper than the 229 two-bedroom loft. So ah, it's life is so good. I'm telling you, I'm so thankful and grateful. So we got upgraded because the problem that they were looking at is that a lot of people wanted the cheaper price, the 109, 129. And we were on the way of that. So they moved us to a bigger, better room that they couldn't sell. And by moving us there for the same price we were paying in the studio, right? Because we have been here for a long time. So they feel like they owe it to us. I mean, shoot, we pay a lot of money every week because we pay every week. And so they moved us up. So now all of a sudden they're generating an extra $99 for a studio because most people are looking for the studio or an extra $129 versus zero when we were there. So they just shifted us so they can generate more revenue because the goal really for any business is to generate more revenue, right? And if all they, if all they needed to do was to shift a family into not only that we're happy and content for the fact that they offered us a free upgrade, they're also collecting more money for the studio that we were once in. Genius, right? They didn't tell me that. I figured that out, by the way, because I'm such a like I'm such a math numbers type of person and a business person, and I'm all about revenue. And you should be when you run a business. Even if you work for someone, you should always be revenue driven. When you work for someone, you should always look at your work as your business because that's how you can perform at a high, 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 high level, people. And if you're if you're going for a promotion, you are going to get that promotion soon. So, guys, I'm really excited. My mama is coming. This is the only time she could come. She's coming next week on Thursday, the 28th, because she's going to be leaving to go home to the Philippines for about three months, I believe, to visit my dad. My dad retired already, but um, she's going to be there for a long time. She's leaving on the 16th, and this is the only time that she could come. And by golly, I would miss my mother if she didn't come and see, because I don't know if she's even going to come back. I think I don't think she's coming back. I think she's staying there for good, but according to her, she's only there for three months. We shall see. Maybe I should interview my mother here too. We'll see if she's up for that because my mom has very heavy accents. She can speak English, but she, I don't know if she'll let me. So the other piece now, you know, in the background while we're staying in the hotel, swimming in the pool and enjoying our time here, we are just on the last week and we're so super excited to uh, get moving into our house and our house is starting to, to develop on its own with the beauty that we wanted to do. It's a very modest home. And one of the things that I have made a commitment to myself because I had been hurt from the 2008 crash before due to, um, being really a green investor, 
and not knowing what I was doing. I owned a lot of units, but I didn't really own them when the crash happened because I was so overextended on them. So, you know, you learn from your experience. And one of the things that I committed is, you know what, I would rather own uh, 10 modest homes and generate income with them. So everything that we do now, like I said, is centered around experience. We want to have more experience for our family. We don't ever want to be overextended. We are going to live within our means and invest a lot of money into the right things, hire professionals to really help us guide through the process of building our wealth. And I am so super excited. One of the plans that we'll do is we'll do a project in the house every year until we can um, buy our next project. And then we can just like take off from there. But one of the things that I'm doing, which is real exciting is, and we're not going to hire because this is a pretty easy project. My husband and I, we're going to build my podcast studio in the back. It's going to have acoustic walls to block all the noise because we have air traffic above us. Block all the noise. Oh, you guys, I'm so excited to have my own podcast studio. And then we're going to start remodeling an airstream on the side of our house that we're going to um, provide service for Airbnb to recoup some of the expenses that we have spent in this whole project. And I'm really excited on the back deck. So we have two decks in this new home that we, we are humble home, right? The back deck, uh, it has access to our master bedroom what I'm doing there is super amazing. I'm going to have my reading nook there. I'm going to have my oasis. And if you don't follow me on Instagram, I'm going to give a always play by play on Insta story, but it's going to have the oasis back there. And it's just going to be so much fun. Um, we're going to have a hot tub back there too. So it's going to be an exciting little home. And then on the front deck, we have an amazing barbecue center. I got my husband a kegerator for his Father's Day, and I told him it's an expensive gift, so it should cover Christmas and his next birthday, and he was laughing. We normally don't give gifts to each other anyway, so I figured this would make him so happy. He, my husband has worked so hard during this transition, like when I say hard, I'm not saying that I'm not working hard, but when I say hard, he it's like laborious hard, backbreaking work. Ty is a hardworking man, and I'm so fortunate to have him as a husband. I'm a fortunate woman to have a husband like like Ty. So that's pretty much it, you guys. Um in a nutshell, and I, in a nutshell is almost an hour episode, but I also want to tell you about my forties. Um, well, not my forties, but me turning 40, because I used to think 40 
was old, but then now I'm 40. And I want to tell you how I feel about that. I feel so accomplished at 40. I know I have a lot of, a lot more to do. I know there's still so much more to accomplish, but in my 40s, I feel so accomplished. And if this is how getting old is, sign me up every freaking day. At 35, I had my midlife crisis and I truly believe that, you know, societal's expectation of midlife crisis is you have to be in your 50s. But I think if you search for meaning in your life and you have this awakening that it's time for you to search for your meaning, that is your midlife crisis. And that happened to me at 35. So I've been on this journey for five years now. And the happiest I have ever been is giving to the world. And I said something on a post on my Facebook after my friends gave me a surprise party. My best friend, Jennifer Lofton, shout out to you, sister. She had organized this surprise party for me. And these are like amazing people in my life that showed up. And as I reflected on that night on my birthday, last this past Tuesday, I really reflected that there is truly a difference between winning and truly winning. And I said, winning means that you've accomplished a lot of the societal expectations definition of success, money, big houses, great cars, expensive stuff, you know, the grandeur visual, Uh, you have a lot of things, you have big trucks, you have, you name it, things material wise, you have it. But truly winning is when, and I, I will close with this, truly winning is when you are celebrated, not because of what you have, but because of what you give. And since the journey of me awakening and really waking up to life and what life truly means happened to me when I turned 35, I realized that the happiest I have ever been, and for those of you that are depressed. I I know there's a clinical kind of depression that really, really, truly needs the attention of a medical professional. And I'm not discounting that fact. But if you want to kind of heal your own depression, because I was there, I think that you should start giving. Because giving has been the state of mind that's made me the happiest I have ever been. And when you are celebrated by people, because, not because of what you have, but because of what you give. And it's funny because I don't even give it directly to them. I'm just such a positive person to be around. I give it to the world through this podcast And people celebrate you because of what you give out to the world. And it's the idea of positive 
out, positive in, you know, like you get what you put out. And that is what truly winning means to me. I'm so thankful for that. Um, I was looking at a picture that my siblings, so we have this Viber group messaging between me and my siblings. I was looking at this picture that they sent me telling me, welcome to Club 40, right? I have six siblings and I'm the fourth one. And my three older sibling was in this picture of us in front of our, when we were growing up in the Philippines, in front of our um, Christmas tree that was so third world, you guys, it's this it's essentially just a tree that we got, we cut off out in the woods and then we cut these white papers to make it look like and wrap it around the tree to make it look like a snow. Um, but it was, it actually turns out pretty good. And when they sent this photo, so many memories came to mind. So much clarity came to mind. And the best part is because a lot of people like ask me how, and this is how it's related to hotel living. Like how's hotel living? Is it getting old yet? Is it this? Is it that? Like a lot of people that, you know, they're, it's not that they're making fun of it, but they're, they're expecting me to say something they want to hear, which is oh, it sucks so bad, and oh, it's this so bad. But when I got this picture that welcomed me to my 40, Club 40 from my older siblings, it's, it showed this photo of me sitting, me, Daisy, Irwin, and Jerry, my older siblings, sitting in front of this Christmas tree. We were hanging on to, it's going to make me cry, one gift and the gift that we have is this, this little gift that's wrapped. And watch out for the picture on Instagram or Facebook because I will share it. And the gift that we had in our hand are so little, right? It's like, I'm so thankful for this picture because it reminded me how far I've come. And for the people that said, that wanted to hear me to say, the hotel living sucks. I mean, it's challenging and it has its ups and downs. There's no doubt about it. We're standing, like my siblings and I, we're standing in front of this Christmas tree and we're standing on the floor that we used to sleep on. And so I grew up sleeping on floors. Now, life got better after, you know, later on. But I remember when I was a child, I grew up sleeping on floors. So... Hotel living does not suck compared to where I came from. And so, guys, when you're talking to people, try not to, like, prejudge them. Oh, that picture brought back so much memory. And a lot of the things that I have happening in my life right now, I'm so happy. Life is so freaking good. Are, are so much blessings for me. I have so many sponsors on my podcast. My podcast just, and it's not even meant for domestic violence, but it does have a lot of content. 
that talks about domestic violence here. And because of my childhood story, um, I watched, you know, domestic violence happen around me. We just got number one domestic violence podcast to subscribe in whole planet. Like when I got the email from the CEO or the founder of, of this blog, I thought we were just top 10. Like, oh, okay, we're probably number 10. But when I read the blog, it was like number one. I'm like, how did that even happen? But thank you, God, I received that. Oh. So you guys, truly winning is when people celebrate you for the things, for, the, for what you give out to the world, not for what you own. Have an awesome Mother Hustling Sunday. I love you all and I'll see you on the next episode. All right, sisters, thank you so much for listening and always supporting the Being Mother Hustler podcast every single episode, every single week. I know most of you take screenshots of these episodes and share it all over your social media outlet. And for some of you that's left us a five-star review, from the bottom of my heart, I'm so super grateful for you. Make sure you follow us on Spotify and subscribe to the show on iTunes. And it would mean the world to the entire Mother Hustler Nation community if you wrote us a five-star review. Because I'm telling you, this is not about me. This is not about you. It's about all of us in the community inspiring each other, learning from each other, and not allowing each other to make any excuses to chase our dreams. I swear I read those reviews and it fuels me to my core, makes me cry for great reasons, so I so look forward to reading those reviews. As always, sisters, don't forget to give, serve, live, and love. Have a mother hustling day.